For over a thousand years, Western civilization has been stuck in a dark age of sexual repression and misinformation. We get an oversexed overload from the media, but nothing in the way of honest, helpful, practical information on sex and how to do it right. That sucks, and I'm fucking sick of it. My name's JV Althoras, and I've spent a couple decades learning everything I can about how to have amazing sex and more of it. Not in a classroom like a lot of people who talk about sex. I learned it all in the gutter, right where mom told me I'd end up. It's my mission to bring an end to the sexual dark age with brutally honest talk and education on all aspects of sex and sexuality, in an atmosphere that will keep you entertained without treating you like an idiot. Shara and I are not doctors, certifiable perhaps, but not certified in any way. And that means we don't have to talk about vaginas and penises to maintain academic credibility. You got a problem with a vagina? Call a gynecologist. You want to learn more about pussies and cocks and how to make them happy? You've come to the right place. Ending the Sexual Dark Age is now sponsored by the Internet's most trusted name in adult toys. A happy pussy likes to play more often. AdamandEve.com is offering you guys half off on your choice of thousands upon thousands of vibrators and dildos and cock rings and strap-ons, nipple clamps, porn DVDs, butt plugs, pocket pussies, anything else you can imagine to either get yourself off or have some fun with your playmate. As always, we highly recommend making sex toys part of your sex life. And right now, AdamandEve.com is only asking for one chance to impress you. They're offering an awesome deal in support of ending the sexual dark age. And the whole thing goes a little like this. By typing dark age, all one word, for the offer code at checkout, you will get 50% off the most expensive item in your cart, with a few exceptions, free shipping, three free porn DVDs, and a sexy free mystery gift. Free DVDs are selected randomly and added to your order before they ship. AdamandEve.com is willing to damn near pay you to get off. So stop by, enter D-A-R-K-A-G-E at checkout, and proceed to collect on an awesome deal. Or just follow one of the links on SexualDarkAge.com. And if you like surfing on your smartphone, be sure to check out Adam and Eve's new mobile site. Yes, you too can buy dildos right from your iPhone now, thanks to Adam and Eve. So welcome to episode 45. Shara's a little bit under the weather today, so she's feeling a little bit hoarse. A little? Or... Not a you know pony. What they call a little horse, don't you? <laughs> are we talking a whore? Are we talking ponies or what? Well, I, they call a little horse a pony. <laughs> well, not technically. Ponies are. I don't mind pony. Different subspecies. You know that. I don't mind a pony. A oh, I know you don't. So I yes. Put that pony harness on you in a while. No, you have not. Of course, you always complain about it, and then your pussy's dripping down your thigh instantly as soon as I put it on you. I'm not always complaining about it, but okay. Then I hear you mumble around that bit gag that you want me to stick it in your butt. Because that's, that's, where, that's where you end up asking me to stick it every time I put that thing on you. Okay. <laughs> I'm not feeling well. Don't pick on me today. Yeah, so here we go. Okay. Yeah, they all heard it in your voice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to blush. but <laughs> Yes, sorry about my voice today, folks. I'm under the weather. And of all the things you like to be under, I know that the weather isn't one of them. This is true, but thank you for taking such good care of me this weekend. Oh, you're very welcome. So today we are talking about some kinky listener mail items. Okay. Uh, we have enough listener mail in the backlog that we're kind of trying to group some of them with similar topics. Uh, we're going to start out with a real quick easy one. Uh, Silent J posted a little while back asking for links to the BDSM questionnaires that we mentioned on an earlier episode. And I realized when I saw him post this that we said we were going to post links, but we never actually did that. Oh. So in the post on the website for this episode... Uh, I'm going to have a few links. I don't want to read them off because some of them are just weird domain names and it's not going to make any sense to read them off. So uh, check the RSS feed or visit the post on sexualdarkage.com for episode 45 for some links. And we are 
because we haven't done this in a while, and this is a fun type of item to do this on, we are giving out a homework assignment for this episode. Yay! And the homework is to check out one of these BDSM checklists. I'm going to do a separate link to one that's printable. Okay. And there are several. Uh, but uh, I'm also going to link to a page that has lots of different sexy and sex-related type checklists and questionnaires. I wouldn't mind doing one since, you know, I've been with you 10 years. Let's see. There's probably a lot on there that I've now covered that I didn't have marked before. Oh, I'm willing to bet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to that. Okay. Simply based on things you've said on the show in the past, I think we can make that a fairly fair statement. This is true. But yeah, so uh, your homework, should you choose to accept it for episode 45, is to fill out one of these kinky checklists, even if you never share it with anybody. If, uh, if you're in a relationship, I think it'd be a fun thing to do, even if you're not really into kink, for the two of you to fill out the questionnaires and exchange them. But I'm not going to make that even a part of the homework assignment. Well, I think it's kind of fun to do just from the standpoint of knowing your partner even better. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially if you do the printed out one and you look at it and you go, oh, wow, I didn't know you're really into this. And, oh, I didn't know you're really into this. It's kind of an opportunity to admit something on paper that you maybe, you know, don't quite have the guts to come out and say. You might have more kink in there or he might. Or she might have more kink in there than you even realized. Yeah, the, the first time I ever filled out a BDSM checklist was way back in the day on bondage.com. Were you 12? Oh. This, no, I wasn't 12. <laughs> uh, but it was, God, it was probably 15, 15 or more years ago. Uh, and I, th- I thought it was really cool just from the standpoint of, you know, being forced to look at this list of a couple of hundred or more different aspects of kinky play and then rate for myself whether I wanted to engage in it or not. I found it a very interesting, entertaining, intellectual exercise, especially if you're not planning on showing it to anybody. Uh, go through it, be absolutely honest, then look over it afterwards. And, you know, you kind of get a bird's eye view of your sexuality. It's an interesting experience. And if you're worried about anybody else seeing it, that's what shredders are for. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't uh, identify as being into BDSM or interested in BDSM, the questionnaires do contain a lot of general sex play type stuff. I mean, the stuff you would normal the the kind of stuff you would normally engage in during sex is all on there in addition to other things. I think it actually is a great thing to do when you're in a relationship that you really want to be in to understand to what level you're at and your partner's at and it gives you a lot of things to talk about it's a great conversation piece especially for um, the younger ones that are just getting into different relationships and want to see if they're a good match it's i think it's kind of a good thing to do yeah you might even find out she doesn't actually like it when you stick a riding crop in her ass and call her bessie (laughs) make her make pony noises (laughs) okay next uh so anything else you want to say about the kinky questionnaires i just think it's a great idea i really do i think that it opens your eyes up you know, to what you're really into and what your partner's into, or partners. Yeah, you know, I, I it would probably. I think I'm going to do the homework too, because I think it, you should. It would be fun. I haven't filled out one of those things in ages and ages. I imagine there's not a whole lot left for you to check off, but you know, you never well, know. It, 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 there's plenty <laughs> of things on those questionnaires that I don't particularly get into. I mean, I just because I'm a freak and I'm not ashamed of it doesn't mean I'm into everything. No, but that's what I mean. Those probably will still be remain. <laughs> will remain unchecked. However, you may have done some things now that you could say, oh, yeah. It's like that purity test that we did back in the day. Uh, <laughs> for those not familiar, uh, there is, and it's, it's floating around, and I'm sure a lot of people out in the audience have seen it. It's a 400-question test that is basically a have you done this or not 
format kind of a test. And the result is your percentage purity score for, you know, percentage score for how pure you are. And I took it, God, it was before I knew you. The last time I took it was at a uh, sci-fi convention. Because you'll usually find somebody uh, giving the test in one of the rooms somewhere at a sci-fi I'll convention bet they over the are. course of the weekend. Come on in here, little one. Yes, and then people <laughs> trying to improve their scores for the rest of the weekend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, for that particular test, and a lot of it was pretty garden variety stuff. Uh, but for that particular test, I think I scored a 17.5% pure. <laughs> and that's when you and a couple of your friends found somebody to initiate into taking their purity no, that, that was a different weekend than oh then. different weekend okay yeah that was a different weekend okay. um but yeah actually my girlfriend at the time her ex-boyfriend who i've always been cool with i mean we've all known each other for years but um they were together before i knew either one of them basically and uh he was the one giving the test <laughs> you announce your score at the end of it you go around the room and announce your score and uh he just looked at her and said, you must be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> and he was being sarcastic, but I counted as a fond memory. <laughs> <laughs> and we went back to the room and she showed me how proud she was. Wow. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Uh, so next up, we have a question from Faye uh, regarding collars in BDSM. She writes... I would like it if you touch on the use of collars in the episodes concerning submission. It's a topic I've always been interested in, but also a little confused on. For instance, when is it appropriate to present a playmate with one? Also, I'm genuinely curious about Shara's collar. You mentioned before that you make a lot of your own toys, and I can't help wonder if you made her collar or ordered it. So there are a few different questions there, but, a, but some fun stuff to talk about. Um, first off, collars and... I could almost say the mythology surrounding collars, but the, I mean, the, there are a lot of complex emotions and thought processes that are wrapped up in collars and BDSM because a collar is such a pure symbol of servitude. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for example, generally when you think of a collar in a non-BDSM sense, you think about slavery. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of a direct correlation there. But, Collars are not necessarily, in any given instance, a big deal. Uh, they have whatever meaning kind of that you put into them or that you give them. Uh, so, for example, I have many collars. Uh, I've got a shiny stainless collar. I've got some simple leather snap collars without, uh, without any rings or attachment points on them. You have uh, the one that says slave on it. Slut. Oh, slut. I'm sorry. Yes. Same thing. <laughs> and then I also have Shara's collar. So essentially, you could say that I have guest collars. Um, somebody that I might play with casually, I will put one of my collars on during kinky play. And, you know, if she's being submissive to me in the scenario or uh, in the play session, she is going to be wearing a collar. And it'll be one of mine, uh, but it will not be something that in itself has any special significance. It's basically a representation of the play that we're doing and a symbol of her submissive role during that play. Uh, but the collar itself is just one of my collars, you know, which I believe many of them are fairly nice, but... Uh, well, the stainless steel one is what we used when I first met you. Yes. And it wasn't until we became, you know, into a, a more intimate... Until I took ownership of your ass. Yes. <laughs> And which leads me to, you know, uh, there's, in, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's different 
levels of how people take the collars. Some relationships take it extremely serious and other ones it's a little bit more casual. And then there's other ones who basically just want it during play. Um, and there's, with some of the collars, there's the signing of a contract of what the dominant expects from you. And, you know, if you break that contract and then it's sometimes renewable. So there's all different parts Yeah, and that it. kind of leads us into talking about your collar. So the another way or a different, I guess, a different type of collar or a different, you know, relationship that you can have with a collar is uh, when a dominant specifically gets their hands on a collar, whether they, you know, buy or make or whatever, and gives it to a submissive as a representation of their personal bond, that's something different. Like, for example, I have lots of collars and anybody who's over here playing, I might even lend out a collar to a friend who just, you know, he might happen to be playing a little bit, doesn't have one with them. I might lend the collar out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like say if Ginger and Prof happened to visit us and, you know, the Prof wanted to collar Ginger, you'd lend it to them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> just saying. We, we do make all facilities available to guests. <laughs> um, but uh, I have a lot of collars that I might lend out, but nobody other than Shara will ever wear the collar that I got for her. Thank you. So it is kind of a symbol of a deepening of a BDSM relationship when you get a collar and present it to somebody as theirs, as opposed to your collar that they are wearing. Oh, so you and just made I hope me that's wet. That's not too confusing. You just made me wet. Oh, I better check that. it. <laughs> anyway, With my cold hands. Oh, they are cold. <laughs> oh, that is a wet pussy. Look so, at you. <laughs> so, uh, and no, he did not make my collar. Uh, what he did, though, was surprise me and had me come and sit on his lap as he looked it up. And uh, we there's a place that we order some of our favorite things from. Yeah, I'm going to do a big plug for Lawrence just yes. as soon as you're finished talking. Actually. And uh, so the, and he had me pick out my collar. Well, he like picked on a couple different ones that he liked. And then we d made the final decision basically together. But he chose it and I loved it. And, and it's really nice. but Yeah, so for for the leather gear that I have, I've bought most of it from the same place. Um, and I want to give Lawrence a big plug. I mean, I, Lawrence is, was a big fixture around our local community for years. He had a local shop. Then he moved out to California. Um, thankfully, he is still going strong. His website is fetishtemple.com. Does great work. Yep, and I cannot recommend him highly enough. He is Same a master here. leather worker. He uses absolute top quality materials. He guarantees everything forever. If something if something ever came apart or broke on you, you could send it back to him and he would fix it and send it back to you with an apology. But honestly, in over a decade of using his gear, I have never found anything to be insufficient. I mean, I've never broken anything. Um, but, uh, he's also an expert when it comes to sizing. So if you're ordering mm -hmm. a set of cuffs, there are a lot of different ways to get cuffs, shars or sheepskin lined. Um, and some, some submissives like, uh, a rougher leather, you know, cause it makes them feel kind of more like a prisoner. And, you know, so it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of custom aspects to bondage gear. Um, and he really gets into understanding that part of, you know, what it is that you're looking for. So it's not just a matter of making the item that he puts his heart and soul into, it's understanding you and who you are and what you're looking for. Yep, so. and he is he's always available you know, during reasonable hours by phone to talk about an order. He can explain to you how to measure for anything. He's just he's an absolute master. So 
Uh, big props to Fetish Temple for over mm-hmm. a decade of awesome service every time I've needed something made out of leather at very reasonable prices. That's what I was, yes, I was just going to say that he is very reasonable. So for somebody who wants to, you know, perhaps get a collar for their submissive and it's important to them, you can do it at a reasonable price. Yeah, the prices are reasonable and the quality you get for what he charges is pretty amazing. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it's thank a free you very much. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Shara's collar is something that I ordered. Uh, it happens to be buffalo skin mm-hmm. with a ring and a medallion on it. Um, Heart shape. Buffalo skin is great for collars, by the way, because it is heavy, but it's supple, especially the way that he, he gets it treated. Um, so it's nice, heavy leather. It feels weighty, but it doesn't have hard edges. You got to be a little careful with leather. Um, cause there are a lot of different grades of leather. There are a lot of different types of leather. So you buy the wrong thing for the wrong application. You get all kinds of chafing that you don't want to have to deal with. <laughs> and we've never had to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, you know, or it's too thin or weak and it doesn't stand up. So the, one of the, I think most important aspects of using a collar, especially as it can apply to people who are just starting to explore, uh, a collar also signifies the beginning and end of play the putting on of the collar and the taking off of the collar. Uh, So especially as you're exploring kink, it kind of creates a road sign. As soon as the collar goes on, the submissive is a submissive and can be reasonably expected to act as a submissive anytime that collar is on. And it can create a very clean way to break your kinky sex play from your day-to-day life if you're introducing kink into an existing relationship. And I have recommended collars for that reason over and over again. I don't think you can start using them too early. True. And then if you're in a relationship that the minute you walk in the door or uh, let's say you live together and you come home from the from a long day um, and you're in it 24-7 and you're supposed to put the collar on and you may not feel like it because you're worn out or whatever it might be. As she um, rolls her eyes in guilt. <laughs> and then I think that you it's your responsibility as the submissive to talk to the master about it. Uh, but there is a difference in those relationships because it's basically 24-7. It might be different when you're walking out the door for the day to go to work, but then when you're coming home um, to put it back on. So there, there is a difference there. There are some that are in a 24-7 and live at 24-7. And then there's the ones who, like you said, just for play. Uh, and those are ones that I'd recommend just putting it in the bedroom or having the same area all the time. Yeah, and the, and the collar is no less important in my mind for either group of people. Um, True. The more serious you are about your kink, the more symbology you will put into the collar. Uh, the important thing is to remember, it doesn't mean any more than the meaning that you put into it, uh, but it can be a very meaningful aspect of kinky play and kinky relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next up, we have Peaches, who would like a little more kink in her relationship. She writes, I've been with my husband for nine years now and married for just over two. We love each other and have a good sex life. I can't say it's great because there can definitely be some improvements, but it's good. We use toys, modest restraints, and porn quite regularly, which is great. My question is, I'm realizing that I like being dominated, tied up, slight pain play, my nipples flicked and pinched, spankings, and I've told my husband on more than one occasion that I love when he ties me up and makes me do things when I really have no control. He knows I like it because I moan and get really wet when he does. How do I get him to do this more often without having to ask for it? And I love this question because I think it is very representative of an extremely common challenge mm-hmm. that submissives face. Yes, because we want it, but we 
even when we you tell feel somebody. like if you're ask if you're asking for it you're not being submissive and Correct. that is the big that is the big mental train wreck that happens although it sounds like she's made it clear that she wants it but i'm not sure if there's an issue on his end that he's not sure how to go forward and so i'm not sure she mentions that she listened to all the episodes i'm not sure if she listened to them with him might be a good idea to share some of the BDSM episodes yeah, with Yeah, I think that would definitely be a good place to start, especially 38 and 40, which are on being a sexual dominant. Uh, that's probably an excellent place for, actually, episode 17 is best first, and then 38 and 40. And to do the BDSM checklist. Yep. Because... To do the homework for this particular episode. Together and see what he marks on his form and what you mark. So I, if I were them, I would do it without seeing each other's answers until they're done. Oh, absolutely. And the reason I say that is because then, you know, he's going to fill out what he's really feeling. And maybe the dominant part is, is difficult for him. Maybe he doesn't want it. Well, and it's also possible that he is just, you know, he is just a total freak waiting to be unleashed. And mm -hmm. he's afraid he'll intimidate her with freakishness. You know, right. so it's the, the BDSM checklist can be an excellent way to kind of get some of the more specifics out on the table. Because mm -hmm. uh, it gives you a structure and a framework. So I think that's an excellent suggestion. Which also, as if this is okay with you, as an added homework assignment, I would really love to see some of the people out there that listen to our episodes right on the wall in response to this one as to how they opened up to their partner and, d you know, did it work well or did it not work well? Because, you know, she's... Yeah, there are, well, there will be a separate post for the homework assignment. Okay. So uh, the best place for anybody to post a comment on it. Of course, we love all kinds of feedback. We always love it when people tell us that they do their homework. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're probably the only people who give this stuff out that regularly have people tell us how much they love the homework. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are definitely we loved. We always love to see feedback in the threads, and uh, you get extra credit if you post about your own experiences. I mean, it might also give Peaches some ideas, and then hopefully we'll hear back from Peaches on how it's going. Yeah, and there is there is another thing that I want to suggest, though, because this is something, it, as I said a few minutes ago, this is a very common issue that submissives face. Yes, it is. So there's like this mental train wreck where you want to be submissive and you want to be dominated, but if you have to ask to be dominated, you feel like you're not being submissive. Um, oh, look at you checking your pussy again. I, it is wet. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but I just can't help myself. And I'm sick. I mean, I'm not feeling well. I mean, being around you, obviously, I get, you know. What, lightheaded and woozy? Yes. <laughs> but anyway, back to what I was saying. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, what the hell was I saying? Okay. Uh, you were saying that submissives have a hard oh, time. Oh, yeah. So it's a, it's a very common mental challenge. Now, I am a big proponent of what I call assertive submissive behavior. And uh, the episodes on sexual submission are coming up in the next half dozen or so probably. So I will get into this in much more detail. But basically the point is you can be submissive and assertive. Yes, and, and you taught me how to do that. Yeah, and a submit so a submissive can get what she wants without actually having to come right out and ask for it. And in in the case of peaches, now I'm going to ask you to revisit in your head exactly how specific and how graphic you have been when telling your husband what you like. Because we are men, we do not take hints very easily. There probably can be not a whole lot of good that can come of trying to drop a hint 
a woman trying to drop a hint to a man and expecting him to get it. We just don't, we don't analyze everything you say for deeper meanings the way that you tend to do with us. So hit him in the head with a fucking brick and say, you know, what, in whatever way makes it comfortable for you, and maybe the checklist will help, but uh, make sure he knows that, you know, you really want more of it. And then, as Shara said, use the checklist. Oh, get up. I have an invasion on my desk. <laughs> invasion at Mission Control. <laughs> Furry interlopers. But make sure that he knows how serious you are, basically. Uh, and that it's not just something passing. And one thing that new dominance have a tendency to struggle with, and I believe I mentioned this in episodes 38 and 40 somewhere, is a lack of confidence that they actually have the green light mm -hmm. and what the green light means. That's where using the safe words, by the way, because you brought up green light. Yeah. Is important because, you know, maybe you haven't gotten that far yet where you're talking about safe words so that he knows when to stop because he might be afraid of hurting you. And as always, you know, stop means stop is the simplest, most intuitive thing. Unless you're doing, unless you're intentionally doing some resistance play, which we're also going to be talking about a little later on this episode. The whole assertive submissive concept boils down to this. If you want spankings more often, put on something sexy and wag your ass at him and tell him you were a bad girl and you need a spanking. That is a message that a man will understand. Would that be with panties on or with panties well, on? Well, that would be obviously up to personal taste and judgment. But walking up to him with your restraints or a pair of handcuffs or putting them on yourself and then walking in the room with him and, you know, telling him, yeah, I need some help getting out of these or not. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, and this, this is all very submissive behavior, but it is, as I said, assertive submissive. Uh, kneeling down in front of him when he's sitting down and, you know, resting and putting your palms on his thighs, giving him a nice smile and asking him if there's anything you can do for him. These things will kind of, they're invitations for him to be dominant. So it's not so much asking, outright asking on a day-to-day -day basis for him to do what you want him to do. Um, it is providing a very clear green light, a very clear opportunity, because it's a different thing mentally to intellectually understand that your playmate would enjoy something than it is to have it right in front of your face. And, and with our Pink Mafia group, a couple of things that came up were that even though they brought it up, uh, a whole lot wasn't happening. So a couple of suggestions that we had discussed were a collar, since this came up earlier, is to decide on a collar together and um it can just be a simple one it doesn't have to be anything expensive just a simple one but when you put when when the collar you're going into the bedroom and the collar goes on maybe perhaps you lay the collar out when you want to go into that scene you know into a little bit more play oh yeah if i can hang the collar over the back of the doorknob <laughs> <laughs> he'll open the door the collar will fall on the floor Actually, that's an interest, that is an interesting little trick that never occurred to me before. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a nice way of getting uh, his attention. And he knows now that you're in that mood. Um, you could be honest with him and tell him, listen, you know, I really want to do some more play. So could we get a collar? And when the collar's out or when you choose to pick it out, if I take it from your hand, then that means, yes, I'm in that same place. And another thing is, there's a lot of different kinds of fantasies that the submissives like played out. Um, so they would write those fantasies down 
and they would leave them in certain locations. They would talk to their master about it. Oh yeah, if you're comfortable with that, this is what I want you to want you to do to me. Emails mm-hmm. are yeah, are email definite, definite it, conversation starters. Handwriting it, whatever you feel most comfortable with. If you know, and then you have a place that you put it and tell him this is where I'm going to send it. This is where I'm going to. Uh, lay it down at and yeah and you don't have to make it into something that's pressure you know this is just like fyi these are the dirty things i think about you know and I, if you decide to pull something out of this and do it to me well that'd be great right so the different things like some of them wanted you know uh to have another submissive play with them I so wonder what kind of filthy <laughs> quadruple x-rated shit you would write if i had you do that <laughs> oh it would probably never end. <laughs> you know, the things that come out of my head when they oh, go Oh, I know. Oh. I know it's... some of the things that go into your head, too. <laughs> it's just, you know, bad, bad, bad. I can't help it, though. I just have one of those creative minds. Oh, we know. Well, it's from being around you all this time. Next up, we have Diana with a question about submission and its purported correlation to childhood abuse. She writes, Hi, JV. I know you love stats, so maybe you could help me with this. I've heard a lot of people say the reason I like being a sub is because I was sexually abused as a child. I don't know if that's why I like it or not. It doesn't really matter to me because I am who I am. But I'm wondering if there is any truth to it. Do you have a stat for the number of people in the lifestyle as subs, or doms for that matter, who were abused as children, or anything that shows a correlation between the two? I was thinking that that would be a great medical question. Well, the short answer is I I did do some due diligence looking around. Imagine my shock. All the information on this is anecdotal, which means there are not, as far as I was able to find, any statistics that would even remotely cover this type of a question. Uh, If anybody has any, of course, if you have access to any, as as with all statistics regarding sex or sex-related things, I would love to see some, or I'd love to know of any current research that's being done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, this type of thing, since people are historically so hesitant to even talk about kink, especially in more clinical settings where they feel like, you know, somebody might find out what they said, um, it, it is hard to get numbers on this type of stuff in general. And not only that, but it's very difficult for some people to come forward and talk about things. So, And some, some people block child abuse out of their head completely. Like if it was their father or an uncle or whatever it, from their childhood, they block it out. So you don't even realize that it is something that happened to you until you decide to open up yourself and, and look into it. But your mind can play tricks on you in, in a lot of different ways. And so I believe that some people look for excuses quote-unquote yeah there are people who want they want to be able to give you a reason to explain why you're not the good little girl that everybody knows you're supposed to be or whatever they have to come up with they have to come up with some kind of an explanation for every deviant behavior that nullifies free will and i'm here to say if you enjoy being a submissive and you're a good submissive then you are that good person. You just are a good person in the lifestyle. And there's nothing wrong with the lifestyle if it's something that you enjoy. And I think that that's the biggest thing that a barrier for people to break out of. And that's the whole important part of ending the sexual dark age. You know, uh, let me tell you, there's a ton of politicians out there who have their own kinks that they stand up in front of you and they talk about the Bible and they talk about this, and they talk about that, but behind closed doors, you don't know what they're really doing. No one does. So as long as you are comfortable with what you are doing, 
That's all that matters. Yeah, so I don't think I don't think we're going to find any statistics. My own personal array of anecdotal evidence, which is no better than anybody else's. Um, I have known submissives mm-hmm. who were who had been raped prior to identifying as sexual submissives and who were sexually abused as children. But I have also known many, many, many submissives, male and female, who do not have any sort of abuse in their background. You'd be amazed how many submissives come from loving homes with good parents. Um, so to me, it's kind of like saying, it's since there are certainly submissives who were sexually abused as children, saying that that's the reason that they're submissives. I just have never seen anything that provides any kind of causal evidence there. Just because a tennis player gets cancer doesn't mean that tennis causes cancer. So I tend to dismiss those kinds of claims as pseudoscience. And I always love statistics if anybody has them. Exactly. And I wouldn't mind hearing from our medical guy to see, you know. Yeah, he yeah. Has, our he medical might, advisor's kind medical of backed advisor. up right now. But uh, he I, he's working on a couple of things for mm-hmm. us. And uh, I would certainly love to hear from you as well. And last up from the mailbag tonight, we have a post from Brain Scrambled who writes, I think I'm into BDSM, but I never actually tried it. The problem is that I'm not only into consensual bondage, but I also enjoy the thought of fucking a tied-up woman against her will. Now I'm afraid that if I ever actually engage in this kind of activity, I might not be able to control my urges and might do something she really doesn't enjoy, if you know what I mean. On the other hand, I've heard of BDSM couples that indulge in something called rape fantasies. I'm not really sure if this isn't considered edge play, though. Should I really practice BDSM if I am very turned on by the thought of someone getting, you know, what if my dick isn't properly demoted? First of all, I think that it's good that he's asking himself those Absolutely. questions. Absolutely. That's my, my first response is the fact that you take the time to be conflicted about this is a good indication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to always check yourself, you know, when you're having those feelings. You always have to check yourself at the door and just kind of make sure that your head is in the right place. Because once you go over that line of, you know, this is safe and consensual. So once you go over that border... You're now going on to the other side, and it's a whole different ballgame. So if it's something that turns you on, even though the girl is willing to do it, the role-playing is saying, I'm willing to be that girl in this fantasy where you tie me up and and I'm going to be the girl that screams and cries against her will, but that's just where it ends. It's role-play. She really is okay with it, and... That's where the safe words come in, and you have to make sure that you can stop. Yeah, so I have engaged in play rape. <laughs> you should have seen the look Shara just gave me. Um, you never did it with me. You never asked me to. I didn't think I had to. I don't think you have it in you to fight back. Oh. <laughs> you like it too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have engaged in play rape with a few different playmates. Um, I can say that out of the entire breadth of sexual deviance that I call home. Um, whenever you start talking about, it is definitely edge play. You have to be very specific. You have to have a safe word. You know, generally, rape play is the kind of edge play where a safe word is always required because mm-hmm. you're doing, you're entering into resistance play uh, where the submissive is fighting back against the dominant and Part of embracing that role, if it's something that you want to role play for a submissive, is being able to scream no, stop, etc., etc. So in that instance, it's extremely crucial to have a very clear stop signal, a very clear safe word that will 
put the brakes on if something gets into an area that the submissive really doesn't want to get into. Correct. Um, but if you're going to engage in that kind of play, the best thing to do is have all those conversations. Have the detailed conversations about how you're going to play it out, et cetera, et cetera. And then wait a little while. You know, don't do it the next day because part of the allure for the submissive is the surprise aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't have that conversation and wake her up at 3 a.m. 3 a.m. and go to town. You know, let it settle. Let her mind think on other things. Um, but I think the co- so I did want to say all that stuff. But I think the core of your question is that you are conflicted about your feelings about this, and you are afraid that if you start going down this road and start getting into this kind of play, that you may not be able to control yourself. And there is no way for me to have a valid opinion on that, not personally knowing you, actually not personally knowing you quite well. What I'm going to suggest, since you do seem pretty conflicted, is that you find a therapist that you can talk to about it. And we are not, you know, we are not the kind of people who recommend therapy for everything, but therapy is in existence for a very good reason. Um, there are issues that are virtually impossible to just work through on your own. So, um, with some proper therapy, and I'm going to explain this a little bit, which is kink aware therapy, uh, if you have access to it. And that is a therapist who understands BDSM and will not call BDSM the problem, which is what a lot of therapists do. Oh, well, you're into BDSM. That's the whole problem. No, no, it isn't. My problem is I'm conflicted about this one specific aspect of BDSM. And to have that conversation, you have to have a therapist that actually understands it. Right. Um, so there will be, I don't know if you're in the U.S. or not, since you don't mention, but uh, in the post for episode 45... There will be some links to the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, and they have a KAP program, a kink-aware professional program, including a pretty expansive directory. Uh, They have a fantastic website and uh, a lot of great educational resources. Um, They are a very positive, very upstanding group that pushes sexual freedom and respect uh, every opportunity they get. And actually, our medical advisor is a kink-aware professional. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are essentially people in various kinds of personal care, some of its health, some of its other stuff. Um, it's a fairly expansive searchable directory that is searchable by location. So you can go, if you feel the need to go for therapy and you're into kink, you can try and find a therapist that un- already understands what all that is. Right. And, and, I, and I think it's really important because you are dealing with quite a bit when you're new to it to begin with. And gut checking yourself is a great thing. And that's what you're doing. So I think that JV's right by seeing a kink aware professional, they can be so helpful. I have referred so many of, as I call my pink mafia girls, to different therapists for that reason. And and it's not easy to find a good one that a good therapist that also understands kink. So the the KAP that JV's talking about is is wonderful. Yeah, and there will be so there will be links to that on the website. And I just because. Because I always tend to be conservative on issues like this, uh, because actual sexual assault is such a huge problem and has such a detrimental effect on women. Right. Uh, you know, you always want to be on the careful side of this issue. Correct. So rather than suggest you do anything else, I'm going to suggest you find somebody who can sit down with you and get to know you a little bit and help you work through whether or not this is a normal kinky desire or something that is possible or likely to lead 
to uh, to some kind of forcible situation that is obviously obviously nobody could condone. Right, because a, a kink awareness professional is used to like a a way of reaching out and asking you certain questions to help you find out you know where does this begin where does it end and don't be afraid to get a hold of somebody and go and see them especially like he said the kink awareness professionals because they will help you so that you know whether it's safe for you to go in that direction at all they can help you yeah and one thing uh just to mention because the again the kap directory does not cover the entire world um, some therapists, I'm not even going to say many, but some therapists are willing to do telephone counseling when it is geographically impossible for a potential patient to get the kind of treatment that they're looking for, the kind of treatment that they need face to face. So if you can't find anyone near you, uh, maybe call some people who are the nearest to you and see if anyone's willing to do some phone counseling with you. And, you know, if you want, let us know how it goes because we'd be interested. And that pretty much brings this episode to a close. So, you all do have homework assignments. Get yourself some BDSM checklists and get a little kinky with your favorite pen. Although you don't have to do that the same way Shara does. (laughs) Oh, no. Don't tell that secret. Oh, come on. There's a crusty pen that's always on my desk. She gets mad at me when I write with it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't I have said that? Oh, Lord. She likes going through my porn bookmarks so much that every once in a while she'll ask me why I haven't been adding any new ones lately. <laughs> well, I mean, heck, you have like this whole page on the left side bookmarks. Well, sure I do. I like my porn and you like my porn, apparently. I love your porn. Pick one, anyone. It's a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, we will be back soon with an episode of Indeterminate Subject, but we'll see. we got a few cool things brewing. We'd love to hear back from listeners. So you guys are always welcome to give us a shout out on either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, send email to jvaltheros at gmail.com or jvshara at gmail.com. Or calling in and leaving a message on the listener line at 313-483-8563. And of course, good ratings and reviews on iTunes are always much appreciated. We've been spending a lot of time in the top 10 lately, and you guys giving us the good ratings is one of the things that really helps with that. Thank you very much. And remember to check out the website for all the links we talked about in this episode. Uh, I did forget to mention earlier that we need to thank Liam for posting the link that I am sharing now uh, in answer to Silent Jay's question about BDSM checklists. Uh, I'm not sure where he dug that up, but I couldn't find anything even remotely better than uh, the one he provided. So that's what I'm sharing with the audience. Great. Thank you, Liam. That truly brings this episode to a close. I have to go do my homework. Yes, you do have to go do your homework. And we will catch you guys all again very soon. Due to several requests that I've gotten from listeners to put a little bit more Tree of Shadows on the show, after the sign-off, we're going to have Dream Number 7, which is a track from Tree of Shadows' Fallen Leaves. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else to say, Slut? Just thank you for listening, everybody, and thanks for the input. And I... No, you remember how we're closing the show now, right? No. Spanks for the memories, baby. <laughs> okay. I think I got a better way to do this, too. I'm going to lift up the microphone a little bit. So, okay. Yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. Yes, sir. No, we want to be a little bit lower. I'm trying to actually get the microphone right up next to her titty so I get best possible sound quality. Outstanding. Okay, we'll wake these titties up a little bit. Oh, they're awake. Oh, I can see. Well, they're not fully awake. They're, they're... I mean, they're, they're bumping off a little bit, but they're not cutting <laughs> diamonds yet. Okay. So...
This be me, J.V. Alteras, reminding you that sex is one of the greatest things in life, and there is always room for better. As I dream. 